Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show. I'm Joe Chaffee, uh, Joe Rayo, and our special guest tonight, uh, like, like Bullwinkle, we pulled Rocky, uh, he did finally pull the rabbit out of the hat. Uh, we have uh, <laughs> National Weather Service uh, meteorologist Bill Goodman. He's going to be talking about his views on winter 2020-2021. And the Joe and Joe Weather Show is brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, Long, Long Island's largest rock salt provider. Uh, and it's uh, not just rock salt, of course, but it's just about anything you need when it comes to uh, getting your gear in gear to clear out these winter storms that Bill's going to tell us about, or maybe not tell us about. Uh, rock salt, mag, ice melting pellets and flakes, Petalo Premium Snow and Ice Melter, Biomelt, spreaders, shovels, snowblowers, everything you need to get through the winter. 1226 North Wellwood Avenue, West Babylon, New York, 631-756-1125, or go to the website, omnitruevalue.com. So, Mr. Goodman, uh, I have to prove to everybody that you are actually here. As soon as I can get this, get my screen set up over here. Where did it go? Let's, uh -oh. let's try this again. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hold on a second. <laughs> God. Hold on. I'll fix it. I am here. I know. I see you. Uh, just a second. I don't know how this happened. There we go. Finally. Okay. Just... Uh, just one, one more little maneuver, and we're there. Okay, we're all on the screen now. Beautiful. Ah, great. Life is good, sort of. Okay, so um, thank you for coming on. I, uh, By the way, I have my wine with me, my glass of wine, because this helps me think critically. <laughs> <laughs> or to be critical, one, one or the other. Okay, so uh, we had uh, a... a Actually, Bill, before we even get started today, I want to go. I want to actually touch on a different subject, and that is uh, Hurricane Yoda or Iota and Hurricane Ada. I don't know if you saw Joe Rayo. I don't know if you saw it today, uh, but uh, there was an article in the Washington Post uh, regarding the issue. And you, Joe, you and I have been talking about this because it's come up a number of times. The issue about retiring Greek, uh, the Greek names, if. Um, if it's called for. And interestingly enough, uh, apparently the issue uh, is that we have uh, the uh, possibility of both Ada and Yoda, if they were regular name storms, uh, being retired. But they can't because uh, it goes into the whole thing with the World Meteorological Organization that they... Uh, they uh, they went to the meteor. They pleaded with the WMO to be able to retire the Greek names, and the answer they got was no, because they thought that using Greek names was really sort of a special thing. The Greek alphabet was a sort of a special thing to imply a busy season, and they didn't want to lose that context. I don't know about you, but I kind of think that's a little silly. I think what they ought to do if the next time they they run out of names, they should just go on to the upcoming year or the next year and start from the, from the top. I believe they do that in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Western Pacific. Well, they, 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 they have a running list in the Western Pacific, so they, uh, they, they stop and then they, uh, they start again. 
Uh, you know, wherever they stop this year, whatever letter they stop this year, they pick up and they start it again next year. I, I don't know. I just kind of thought uh, that that actually was a proposal that they they talked about. Well, you know, I think what yeah. I heard, I think what I heard was that uh, they were just going to uh, instead of retiring them, they're going to be called ADA 2020, 2020 and ADA 2020. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just seems kind of ridiculous if they can't just come up with an alternate list of names that they keep. How many times do we go over, you know, blow through the whole list? Not too often. I guess if we do it, if we did it in 2005, we did it this year. I guess the next time we'll we'll do it. If you go on that schedule, would be the year 2035. But uh, <laughs> we we really don't know, do we? I mean, it all depends upon, uh, I suppose, uh, the uh, tempestuous La Nina or the Enso situation as to how many storms we get in a given year. But uh, um, again, it doesn't happen too often. It, but we'll. we'll We'll see what happens the next time it goes around. Maybe we'll have a, a new set of rules in place. Might have, maybe we'll have to get a new alphabet. Uh, <gasps> any other languages want to get your alphabet? Oh, you know, it, uh, it, 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 it does get, um, I don't know. I just kind of think it needlessly gets out of hand. This is a pretty simple solution. Just 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 have a, an alternate list of names that you go through this way if you want you know re apparently it's a big deal when they retire these these names uh, some of the countries uh, i don't know it, it, i i don't want to use the phrase that it's it's not really a badge badge of honor but it does give recognition to the fact that the storm impacted that area in a big way when they retire a storm yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think just having the I think just having 2020 after anything that goes on this year is 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 uh, is enough to make it significant. Wait. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So, you know what? Everybody's here because, you know, we've been, this is our third try to get you on. And <laughs> and I have to tell you that while we've been talking all this time and I was hope I'm, I'm glad we stretched it long enough because. Uh, I was freezing up in a few a few spots here along the way. So um, I wanted to get at least now it's telling me we have an excellent connection. I thought maybe was lightning was going to strike for the third time, but thankfully it did not. So let's get started because everybody really is sort of intrigued about uh, the upcoming winter. I would just preface it. I'm going to just preface it by what I've been saying that um, everybody is piling on the uh warmer than normal uh, uh, temperature-wise winter for the Northeast and the Northern Mid-Atlantic states and uh, 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 rather uh, uh, a sn rather snowless or below normal snowfall for the I-95 corridor. And just because I want to take the country, other side of the trade because so many people are piled onto one side, that's my reasoning for, for going in the other direction. But your Bill's going to focus on the science here. So I'm 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 focusing on the cynicism. You're focusing on the science. So so let's let's start off. We've got got the Pacific sea surface temperatures up uh, with the uh, La Nina in play here. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did. We we have a moderate La Nina event that's that's already ongoing. Uh, looks like that's going to hold for most of the winter. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to go towards strong. I think it's going to probably at least if you look at the um, if you look at the uh, what the, what uh, all the consensus of of, a lot of models, uh, all different models, dynamical and statistical that uh, that that are used to predict it, they're all they're all kind of holding steady. And then they they indicate a weakening as as we get toward uh, February and March. 
Uh, so you have that in, in the tropical Pacific, those dark blues that you can see right in the center of the image. Uh, that's one thing to focus on. I guess the other thing to focus on is, is the warm northern Pacific. That's really, uh, uh, that, that's really something. And you not only just have the warm blob in the northeast Pacific, you're even warm in, in the northwest Pacific, which, uh, um, you know, as we, as we go along, we'll, we'll talk about the significance of that, uh, in, in, especially with uh, the ongoing moderate La Nina. Right. So I, I just circled the area of below normal ocean water temperatures from South America uh, expand, expanding westward almost toward Indonesia. And then you just, you pointed out um, the fact that the water is very warm um, in the Northern Pacific and in the Northeast Pacific. Now, is this, you know, there was an argument for a long time, Bill, that the warm water in the Northeast Pacific was in, going to be supportive of the idea of a strong ridge in the west and um, a negative east pacific oscillation which is kind of like the north atlantic oscillation only in the east pacific but that didn't work well the last couple of years that argument didn't seem to work well uh in the last couple of years where we had stretches where the water there was also just uh, equal uh, just as warm yeah i tend i tend to think the warmth in the northwestern pacific is it it may prevent that from happening and probably you know, more likely than not, just end up with uh, with a pretty strong uh, Pacific jet that uh, that you know that floods the lower 48 a lot of the time with uh, with you know mod more moderate Pacific air as opposed to Arctic air. Can't totally rule it out though. Uh, it, it's uh, you know it, it does. Uh, no, I, I have it in you know I still have it on the the radar scope still in the in, still in the back of my mind and it's gonna have to be we're gonna have to watch how that uh, how that comes together this winter. But uh, I guess that's just one piece of the puzzle. We we got a few other. Got a few other pieces to talk about as, as we go along here. And before we get uh, further into this, uh, Joe and Bill, take a look at the waters uh, immediately off of the west coast of Central America. And right there, you could see why the National Hurricane Center did not decide to continue with the path of uh, Iota once it moved out over the Pacific. Because that water is, if, if that's true, that water is much too cold to uh, support any kind of a tropical system. And so that's probably why they said. This all comes to an end once that storm moves out over those uh, very, very chilly uh, uh, waters of the uh, uh, Eastern Pacific. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. And I, I, haven't, I haven't really seen any, uh, any model guidance that, that's jumped onto this uh, once, once it brought the low across and into, the, into the Pacific. Well, so, none of them really did anything with it. Yeah, yeah, so I can, I can see why. And I'm not sure why that cold blob is there. There's, uh, um, upwelling. I, I don't think there was. I don't think there was a lot of hurricane activity in, in that particular area that would have, and it would certainly wouldn't have cooled the waters that much. That is, it is, it is. A, unless it, maybe it's an offshoot, maybe a break, some breakaway current from where the La Nina is, and, and that pushed up northward. Uh, not sure. With uh, it'd have to it'd have to go back and 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 you look. know some kind of cold eddy. We'd have to go back and look to follow some sort of cold eddy that may have broken off. What do you think? I know we always talk about the Pacific. Uh, and and rightfully so. But uh, what about the Atlantic Ocean water profile? Because this is something that that I think is misunderstood a lot of the time. Everybody, a lot of people, a lot of folks jump on the idea that oh, the ocean is really warm, so that's going to be fuel for big major storms. Not necessarily. And and the reverse of that is if the waters were unusually cold, you could you know the opposite argument is made. And again, the answer to that is not necessarily. I guess so. I mean, you do have a 
you do have a lot, a pretty big area of above normal sea surface temperatures. It's in the northwest Atlantic. I mean, maybe as we go into wintertime, that might support, uh, you know, it, it might support uh, more ridging in that area, or certainly the, uh, you know, certainly intensify the, uh, I guess, the temperature differences between uh, water and land, and may maybe support a bit of a storm, uh, potential storm track through that area. That 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 could be interesting, and uh, I, I guess that, um, you know, I do I do mention that even. Even though uh, you know, even though most most forecasters are talking about the warm and below normal precip, there I guess there's still you know there's still the possibility that uh, you know that the whole thing that we typically see in a La Nina could shift eastward, and uh, that might that might support that idea. Uh, that the uh, area that's been above normal near us, that's actually been like that for probably most of the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, I know there's a, that there's that area below normal sea surface temperatures in, in a little little bit farther northeast from that, and uh, right west of west of Ireland. Yeah, and south uh, of Greenland there. And I know there's um, I, I know there's something that uh, some forecasters refer to uh, uh, called the called the Atlantic Tripole. I, I have to I have to admit I'm a little little bit weak on that, but. Uh, I think there is. I, I think there is some significance to those those below normal sea surface temperatures there. Um, I think what may be missing is is above normal temperatures a little bit farther south. It looks like when you get in, into the rest of the Atlantic, that looks that that looks for the most part near normal. Uh, Bill, by the way, because uh, Bill Rogers on the on the chat board is asking, uh, uh, what is the, this is a map of a five kilometer sea surface temperature anomalies? Can you explain what the significance of the five kilometer is? Okay, that that's just the that's just the resolution of of, of the data. Uh, I, I guess it. Uh, uh, so I guess if you were to, to zoom in, you would see that this. Uh, I guess the the if you were to zoom in really really close, you'd see that the what what looks like uh, you know what, lo what looks like uh, detailed data is just uh, you know if I add the average temperature over five kilometers. Gotcha. Well, the average temperature anomaly. These are the uh, right. These are below or above normal. The normal sea surface temperatures. So and, the dark, uh, the, the darkest blues are running two to three degrees below normal. The darkest reds are running uh, three to four degrees above normal. Is is how how it works uh, when you look at the actual anomalies. Yes, yes, that's right. Okay, so we're gonna I'm gonna move on to the next graphic, and you've got model predictors of the uh, of the, the 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 Nino or the Nina. Uh, for from uh, October twentieth, so what, elaborate if you will. Okay. Uh, yes, I was I was alluding to that earlier that uh, th this is um, you know we're looking at uh, what we call spaghetti plot. Uh, all the different all different model uh, forecasts. There uh, uh, there are some that are dynamical models, uh, long range European, long range uh, UK Met, uh, a whole bunch of different uh, whole bunch of different climate models that go into this. There are some statistical models as well. And uh, their consensus is for um, the consensus of those is, is to maintain a, a, a moderate La Nina through the winter. That's uh, not not the not the dark blue line. I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, it looks like that's an adjustment that the Climate Prediction Center made. Uh, maybe that's their uh, that's that's their consensus forecast. The uh, the model forecast is a, is a little bit warmer. And you can see just from the like what we just saw from the sea surface temperatures from the previous uh, from the previous image, I, I think that uh, I think that colder that colder solution is probably going to work out a little bit better. Uh, so we're looking at uh, on average sea surface temperatures in, in the equatorial Pacific to be 
about a degree to a degree, degree and a half Celsius below normal. And uh, that correlates pretty well with, with certain with, with certain uh, certain weather patterns across the uh, across the uh, the United States and uh, uh, for us, well, I, I guess we'll uh, normally a moderate a moderate La Nina would mean at least in recent years a warm winter with below normal snowfall. But if you go back um, if you go back in the past, that wasn't the case. Right. I remember I saw to uh, was it um, <clears throat> Tony Gigi I think from uh, formerly NWS Mount Holly. I think he he uh, had mentioned to me about the fact that if you go back, if you go back far enough into the data uh, and look uh, at at the La Nina years, they actually corresponded with uh, with snowy winters here. Doesn't that at least say to you, Bill, that there's? It, it, I guess the thing I'm 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 um, I'm having a problem with is everybody is checking one box as if there is only one box to check. And there are so many other factors here that are in play. And I just wonder, I, I continue to go to the down this road to say that to, to make this, to, to, to make, and I'm not directing this at you at all. So don't, don't take, don't get me wrong here. Um, to go simply down the road of saying, okay, we've got this La Nina. It's a moderate to strong La Nina. Uh, so nothing else matters. And this is what we're going to have. I don't know. I think that's. I think to me, and I'm not a long-range forecaster, but I think to me that approach might be just a little bit short-sighted. Uh, could be wrong. Well, if you, if you, yeah, if you look at La Nina by itself and don't take into account other factors, because uh, it, it, as we've seen in some recent winters, it's not just what happens in the Pacific that 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 drives winter. It can be uh, what happens in the higher latitudes as well, where where blocking patterns set up where. Uh, you know, where's the cold air going to go? How's the polar vortex going to behave? Is it is it going to stay is it going to stay bottled up like it did last year, last winter? Or Which is, is something it, that should or, based on the based on the non El Nino or La Nina was not supposed to happen that way, if you recall. Uh, yeah, well, as as we go along, I will present other factors that uh, so that we can uh, that, that okay. we can look at to see what how so, you know how. So whether just, that La Nina forecast by itself makes any sense. Okay. So I, now I moved on um, to the next graphic, which is where you have the years, uh, the La Nina years listed, moderate La Ninas, the corresponding snowfalls in those years, and uh, moderate to weak La Ninas, and the corresponding snowfalls for those years. Uh, I, I'm looking here, uh, Bill, 1886, 87. These are New York City numbers, by the way. Uh, eight, uh, 32, uh, so using roughly 29 as uh, average. So you've got the first four La Nina years that you cited, the moderate, moderate La Nina is 86, 87, 10, 11, 19, 10, 11, 33, 34, and 42, 43, uh, 25.2 in 10, 11. So that was a little below normal. The other three were uh, two of them were a little bit above normal, and the 33-34 winter was way above normal at 52, so there must have been a big storm in there somewhere. And then you look at the ones, though, from 50-51, 54 99-99-2000, 2007-2008, all below normal years, 2008-2009. That's a little deceptive, 0809, because while that was an average year, year in New York City, it was actually above average in a lot of other places surrounding uh, New York City, particularly as you go east. 
uh, i.e. where you and I live, and uh, uh, 1112 uh, was also below average. It's kind of interesting that, it, that, that those up until, um, you know, right till about the end of World War II in those moderate La Nina years, it didn't really impact the snowfall in a negative way. Uh, but then after that, it did. Well, you know, Joe, uh, if I could just jump in. Number one, I, uh, on the screen that I'm seeing right now on YouTube, I, you, you ran off a whole list of... Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I, I, got a, I moved it so you could see the years. And uh, uh, the other thing is that we were talking about you know, how different things were with La Nina's, let's say, 100 years ago or 80 years ago as compared to now. And I guess that's why uh, uh, the Weather Service continuously updates their listings of data, temperature data and snowfall and rainfall over a span of 30-year uh, intervals. Like, for example, right now, the normals, the norms, if you will, are based upon 1980 uh, through 2010, I believe. And once we get through 2020, Sometime early next year, I suppose, uh, the norms are going to shift to 1990-2020 figures, and we'll obviously see some changes in the temperature, and especially so in terms of snowfall. I think uh, right now, New York City, uh, Central Park, the average snowfall for a typical winter is 25.4 inches. I'm certain that when we go to a 1990-2020 uh, uh, database, we're going to see that 25.4 go up to something like 28 or even maybe a bit higher than that, because we've certainly seen more than our fair share of snow in the last 30 years, as opposed to the previous 30-year data set. I ran the numbers for Long Island, Bill from uh, and Joe from uh, Brookhaven, uh, not too long ago, and uh, it brings the number up from about just under 32 inches uh, to um, about between 40 and 41 almost a nine inch increase uh, in in the um, in the snowfall in the snowfall normals I, I I've yeah, been saying that uh, December especially because when you and I were growing up Joe uh, I, I know that the, the, the two of us we, we never really see very much in terms of snow in Jan in December we always had to wait till January and February December was kind of a, a slack month if you will now at least over the last 10, 15, 20 years, we've had some whale of a snow, uh, intervals of, of, of heavy snow in the month of December, which we rarely ever saw back, let's say, in the decade of the 60s and 70s. And right. Well, we, well really you, you, could, you could certainly thank those two, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Boxing Day snowstorm and then the snowstorm the year before in December. Both were, were, were uh, 15 to 25 inch events. Uh, skewing the normals upward, but even the, even in in those snowier winters, he, he, we also had a fair a more. We saw more uh, uh, events, I think, in total. Even though you're going to see those numbers are going to be skewed by those big storms, but all the numbers in New York are always skewed by the big storms. It's because we get them every once in a while. So you know you have to pack those in, in into part of the equation. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, it'll be interesting with these numbers because they are going to they are going to go up. Uh, even though the temperatures numbers, oddly enough, are probably going to go up too, right? Am right. I right on that? I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, let's put it this way: I can remember a lot more record highs over the last thirty years as opposed to record lows. In fact, I hardly even remember now uh, in Central Park, New York City, uh, very many days where temperatures dipped to or even below uh, zero. I remember 
quite a few more of those in our younger days, in the 60s and 70s, as opposed to the last 30 uh, years or so. So, All right, Bill, you, uh, I just moved on to the quasi-biennial oscillation or QBO. So can you explain what that is? Okay, um, that's a measure of, uh, of, of winds in the stratosphere over the tropical Pacific. Uh, alternates between west and east about every 13 months. And uh, it, it usually... Uh, it usually works in tandem with what's happening with uh, La Nina or El Nino. Uh, so if you have a La Nina, usually the QBO is negative. And if you have an El Nino where surface temperatures in the, in the Pacific are above normal, the QBO is also positive, uh, lags by a little bit. Uh, this year is really different because uh, the, uh, the QBO and, and the ENSO phase, they're totally out of phase. Uh, so and you and with a positive, when you have a negative QBO, what usually happens is that you have more ozone transport from tropical regions to the Arctic. Uh, that that helps set up a scenario that uh, would help weaken the polar vortex and allow it to split or or move someplace else. So, uh, with it being positive, that's that that piece of information alone would suggest maybe the polar vortex is going to. Is going to behave itself and uh, and stay stay bottled up with uh, with not too much blocking uh, or splitting of the polar vortex to bring it bring it southward and uh, give us a lot of cold air outbreaks. Uh, as I say, that's just one piece of information. There's there's more there's more to go along. All right. Uh, so uh, now let's go to the um, another factor that's that's part of this equation, and that is the uh, Pacific Decadal Oscillation or PDO. My favorite. It is your favorite. Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe lives for the PDO. I mean, he absolutely lives for it. Uh, I, I've been saying, uh, Bill, that, uh, uh, you know, with all the talk about what is the true cause of global warming and climate change, um, a lot of people have been talking about uh, man-made interaction. A lot of people have been talking about the sunspot connection. I, I don't agree with the sunspot connection at all. But what I do say is that maybe we should take a close look at the PDO. In fact, uh, uh, the thought is that, you know, 40 years ago, everybody was talking about uh, maybe we were heading for another ice age. And then the PDO did a flip. Uh, and all of a sudden, now everybody's talking about global warming. Uh, who's to say that maybe in the years to come, the PDO will do another flip back and uh, we'll head back toward a, a cooler than normal uh, weather regime. Uh, I'm just saying that maybe the PDO has something to, something to do with it, and I'd be interested to hear your remarks about it. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. You do have to subtract these these long-term signals from from the climate record in order to in, in order to see you know what the effect of global warming would be. Uh, you know, it, it's possible. Now, I think I I think the effect would be okay. That uh, I mean, we'll still have we'll still have. Uh, Above and below normal temperatures, maybe uh, maybe our cold maybe our cold phases won't be so cold, and we we've seen that. And uh, when when we're hot, we're hot, hotter. I think it's uh, I think it's a more it's a, tends to be a more subtle thing. And uh, yeah, you do have to subtract this. Uh, I think there's there's also the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation, which has been on the positive side uh, since since the 1990s for the most part. And uh, that's I mean since we've had since we've seen that positive phase, that's really where the uh, the tropics have taken off, and where we've seen some uh, some really snowy winters here, and uh, 
either New York City or Long, or Long Island. All right. So uh, the phase, the, the decadal oscillation, the, P, uh, the PDO, the Pacific Decadal Oscillation, just to be clear, to make it clear to everybody, uh, went into a warm phase. I think if I remember reading about it, it was sometime in the late 1970s, early 1980s. I think 1979 was the magic year. Uh, and uh, it's been in this warm phase every, ever since. And Joe Rayo, it's what, like a 40-year cycle. So it's due to change any minute now, <laughs> right in the middle of our show. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, something I think that uh, needs to be factored in. I, it's, it's a very unusual. I, you, never, you always hear about, you know, people who are making decisions against uh, climate change and global warming, and they talk about the sunspot cycle. Oh, it's the sunspot, the sunspot. You always hear that. You never hear anybody talk about the influence of the, of the PDO. And, and quite frankly, and uh, either one of you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, don't, I, I think that uh, climatologists and uh, you know, forecasters have said they don't quite understand why the Pacific Ocean warms and cools over 30 or 40 year intervals. Uh, and, th and therein lies something that Jim Witt, uh, when I asked him about this in a report I did for News 12 about eight years ago, I said, Jim, why is it that 40 years ago they were talking about ice ages and now they're talking about global warming? And he looked straight into the camera and said, because they don't know, Joe. That got me in trouble with the Al Gore's disciples who, who came at me, you know, left and right saying, how? Because how they you, know, the disciples you, know. Yeah, well, how, I said, how could you put somebody like that on? And, you know, this is incredible. And what a, what a poor piece of reporting you're doing. And I just said, look, the guy knows his stuff. He's a, he, he's a meteorologist. He's even been awarded, given an award by the AMS. And it's his opinion. Since when is somebody who says something that doesn't agree with your opinion make it make it wrong or right? So, gee, that's that sounds that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's go on to the next one before we get into uh, some more trouble. Uh, okay. So well, but before we before we go there, the, the, I just wanted to say that we're in a cool phase of the PDO, which uh, strangely enough means uh, above normal sea surface temperatures across the northern Pacific. And uh, usually what that tends to do is, is reinforce the uh, reinforce whatever phase of, of ENSO we happen to be in. So that, that would work to reinforce the, uh, the La Nina uh, that, that's going on in, in the Pacific, kind of uh, argues toward, toward maintaining moderate conditions through the winter. All right. So now we're on to uh, Siberian snow cover growth. And uh, you have this is as of November 3rd, uh, so from two weeks ago. And uh, the um, uh, Dr. Co Judah Cohen's final analysis of the uh, period that he watches, which is that five-week period, basically the beginning of October to, you know, when, very beginning of November, uh, was wound up being somewhere in the midpoint of the last uh, 20 or 25 years. Yeah, and I, I think what we see here, if uh, in, in the uh, the map from from uh, Rutgers Global Snow Lab. Kind of bears that out. There's there's a little bit of above normal area looking toward uh, Mongolia, North uh, Manchuria, uh, that part of uh, that part of Siberia that, that borders uh, China and, and Mongolia. But when you look back uh, in Western Siberia, uh, closer to Europe, uh, that that area was uh, substantially below normal, and I, I think that offers a clue right there because uh, usually what we look for in the month of November is the development of, of strong surface high pressure. 
uh, underneath a large expanse of Siberian snowfall in, in that area. Uh, being below normal, at least last time I looked, we did, we did not have that development of, of high pressure. Uh, so right away, that tells me that the, that that feedback mechanism that, that goes from above normal Siberian snowfall to high pressure in, in Western Siberia to uh, potential polar vortex split as we get into mid to late winter is that's not, that, that doesn't look very good for it. Uh, what it may look very good for, I guess that, that area that suggests maybe that area is warmer. Uh, the, uh, we didn't, I don't have a slide about sea ice here, but that's probably going to stay below normal uh, in that nearby portion of the Arctic Ocean. Uh, so I would think, um, if anything, if the polar vortex kind of stays together, that it would probably be more toward the North American side as, as we go into the winter. All right. And that, and, that, could, and that could be, a, that, that could be um, you know, going strictly with a warm forecast for the, for the winter, that could be a wrench in the works. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how that's going to play out yet. Well, when um, I'm going to, after we're done running through your graphics, I'm going to pull up the uh, snow, the snow cover right now for uh, North America. And we'll take a look at, uh, at, at uh, and also for Siberia, just to see what it's done since then. Because I know October's the month that, uh, that uh, Dr. Judah Cohen watches very closely. Uh, but let's see. I thought it'd be kind of curious to see what kind of, you know, what kind of action we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and not that it may, it may or may not have any significance. The idea folks is that it, it seems there was a correlation with the idea that whatever happens in October in this region has impact on the winter in the, in the Eastern part of the United States in both directions, depending on whether the snow cover is above or below normal and where it's above or below normal in Siberia. Uh, it, it was an indicator that actually worked pretty well until everybody, I, my theory was that everybody started jumping on it after the winters of 2013, 2014, and 14, 15, and it hasn't worked well since. So it's an indicator that everybody figured was, 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 uh, was a, a foolproof one to use, and, it's, and it hasn't worked well uh, in the last five years. All right, so the next thing we got to look at, and this is, um, it's somewhat complex. Uh, it is uh, the um, Madden-Julian oscillation. Mr. Good. Okay. So uh, Madden-Julian oscillation, uh, that, that's just, uh, it, it originates in the Indian Ocean, uh, Large-scale disturbance of deep convection and winds uh, can controls a lot of what goes on in in uh, in, in convection in, in the tropics, and uh, then and then then there is feedback uh, from that into what happens in in the uh, in, in our latitudes. Uh, we can correlate uh, different phases of of this oscillation with uh, with temperature and precipitation uh, at least uh, long-term averages for for different parts of the country. There's a there's some pretty good correlation there. It doesn't what when you look at the Madden-Julian oscillation. This is one of those things again. It ha, doesn't it have to connect with everything that's going on downstream because sometimes it doesn't. Uh, well, it it, it helps it helps if it does. Certain, as I said, certain certain phases of the MJO could favor favor cold. Some favor snow. Uh, I mean, we saw what happened in, in the tropics this year. The uh, seemed like when uh, like the the MJO was. Uh, I think once we got to a phase where it it uh, the, like 
the disturbance got back to the uh, got back home, so to speak, back to the Indian Ocean. That's when the lid blew off the uh, the hurricane season. Right. So yeah, you do. Uh, that's that's where these uh, that's a, so that's where these different phases come in. That uh, I guess if it uh, sort of like with the the PDO, it it, it may different phases help uh, help help different uh, can can help different uh, weather scenarios take place. There are eight phases, and which phases are the phases that you look for uh, for uh, active winter weather in the Northeast? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we probably want to get uh, toward, uh, I think, phases seven and eight. Uh, seven, yeah, seven and eight seem to be the most part, maybe one and two also. Uh, I, I guess the, uh, you know, changes a little bit as we go into winter. What, um, I don't know. So, so right now it looks like based on this, which was, this was a European forecast from a week ago, if I'm reading this correctly. So based on that right now, we look like we're in phase five going into six. Uh, or am okay. I am I reading this? Yeah, no, phase five going into six, and then it looks like we go into seven and eight sometime later next week. Okay. Assum Again, assuming that this was right. Now we don't. I don't know what it, it may be. Totally different. This was the graphic from uh, from a week pure, ago. Pure extrapolation, Bill. <laughs> okay. Well, the, yeah, the the dark line. If you look at, uh, I guess we're looking at the graphic with the with the two different displays of. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the one on the left. Okay, the one on the left—that's that's the uh, the GFS ensemble forecast. And okay. So the uh, the 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 uh, the black line that starts in phase five—that's where we were going through October and into early November, and uh, all that all that spaghetti, that yellow spaghetti that kind of goes through phases one, two, three, and four—that's that was the forecast from that point. Uh, so, you know, given that the MJO is a pretty uh, pretty predictable oscillation, you know, if you follow this. Uh, it seemed to suggest that uh, we we would eventually get into some kind of cold phase uh, down the line. Uh, I think when uh, I think at the end of these these forecasts, uh, we're we're talking about um, let's see, we get into five, six, and seven, probably sometime in the month of December. Okay, works for you, Joe Rayo. I guess it would. Um, neither one of us is not really. Uh, that well versed in long range forecasting, I'm just amazed all of these maps that Bill has brought up. And you're and you were absolutely right, Joe. It, it seems like, you know, the even at NOAA, they just seem to hang their hat on one thing: the ENSO uh, forecast, and whether we have a strong La Nina or, or or El Nino or whatever like that. At least here, what we're seeing is a, a compilation of a number of different factors, which I assume when we get to the end of this discussion, Bill will then reveal. What, what he thinks we're going to get for, for 2021. I, and I've already moved on to the next graphic, which is a whole bunch of beautiful maps of the United States with all sorts of different colors. And it looks like uh, th this basically breaks down uh, the temperature anomalies and the precipitation anomalies based on what phase we're in. Yes. So if you look at these, you can see like uh, for the, on average from the months, October, November, December, uh, on average, as we move toward uh, phases seven, eight, uh, not so much one, but then phase two, they they tend to suggest a cold, uh, uh, you know, uh, they tend to suggest a potential for colder weather. And uh, I guess all the precipitation composites, boy, these drive me crazy. The, uh, reds versus greens. I'm I'm red. No, I know. I don't know. 
I don't know what they say. I have to ask somebody else. And, and uh, <laughs> I think they say below normal precipitation. I, I, I would think I would think red would be below normal and green would be above normal. But you know, they could have had somebody who designed these maps with a sense of humor and just decided to say, you know what, let me make it in reverse. <laughs> and let everybody think it's the red that's a, that's below normal when in reality it's above. I don't know, but but the the it does clearly show here in terms of the temperature phase anyway that um, uh, it looks like eight. Well, yeah, eight. One is like normalish, maybe a little above or a little below in the east. Uh, two is cold. Three is warm. Four is warm. Five is kind of warm in New England, but it's it's cold in the mid middle and southeast, mid Atlantic and southeast. Phase five looks normalish. Phase six, I'm sorry, that was I said was phase five. Phase six looks normalish. Phase seven looks normalish with cold back through the lakes and plains. Eight looks cold, northeast mid Atlantic back up to the northern plains. So yeah, I guess you want to be in phase seven going into phase eight and phase one going into phase two. And by the way. Am I correct? Because I noticed there are times where you could be in, it doesn't necessarily that you go from in order. Uh, you know, you could, you could get stuck in a phase for a long time. You can, you can go into like eight, one and two, and then suddenly have the thing kind of loop back around and go back into seven, you know, depending on what's going on. Correct. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I'm just sort of going like with the, with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the GFS ensemble forecast, that one seemed to be, uh, that one seemed to be, if you we go back to the previous thing, that which I did, the European had had been trending toward that uh, before that. Uh, the European really uh, didn't have much of a clue at all. And um, if you look at, uh, if you go back to that previous image we were looking yeah. at, the, no, it's uh, it, I, I, it's so there's, you, the the graphic comes up on a thirty second delay. So, uh, so, but it is up there. There it is. You should have it now. Okay. Yeah, I mean the the, the European doesn't have as much of a clue as as the GFS seems to, but it. Uh, what I had noticed is that it, it was it was starting to trend in the same direction, and uh, that that's one funny thing. It, 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 when it comes to cold air outbreaks, it seems like uh, lately the, the the European has had a tough time with them, and the the, the, the GFS long range has picked up on them. Better. It's really developed a left bias and a warm bias. I've, I've noticed that a lot lately, uh, since through the summer and with the hurricane season, it's been too far left with a lot of these storms. And uh, it does seem to be, uh, you know, it's it, it it's to me, it's warm bias has gotten worse. Yeah, I think so. It's just warm, 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 and I don't think that's, uh, you know, in reality, I don't think that's going to work out. I mean, even in the even in the winter where we end up above normal temperature wise or below normal snowfall wise, that's not to say you can have a good, really cold air outbreak or a big snowstorm. Certainly, the uh, I think it was the winter of two thousand six, we didn't have much, and then there was just that one February snowstorm that. Uh, you know, we had um, at least at that time it was the record for New York City until uh, till the 2016 blizzard came along. 27.5 inches, incidentally. <laughs> yeah, nice. for, the, for the record in 20, uh, 2016. Nice. Yes, and we participated in that. We we shoveled every bit of that 27. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, on to the uh, the. Uh, uh, Arctic Oscillation, the North Atlantic Oscillation, the Pacific North America Pattern, and if my glasses, you know, Bill, I think you purposely picked these maps with the print so small. <laughs> I can't see what the one on the lower right is. 
Oh, that's uh, the, the PNA. On, that's the PNA. Right. Okay. The one on the lower, I'm sorry, the lower left, on the lower right is the PNA. On the lower left is the East Pacific Oscillation. So Pacific North America Pattern, PNA, uh, and then the EPO, which is the East Pacific Oscillation. And this was the forecast period. So this was what from back a week ago. And so if I'm reading this correctly, because I can't see the dates, but you, you know what the maps are, you torturer. And uh, we're, looking, we're looking at the European, which had us in a positive EPO phase, right? Mm -hmm. But it also had a negative NAO. What were the dates on that negative NAO? Okay. Um, well, I, 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 let's see. I think this is going uh, more as, as we get past the first week of December, maybe the, the set from the mostly the second and third weeks of December uh, where we could. Uh, so we're, we're talking about a situation where the, uh, the Arctic Oscillation could turn negative. Uh, also, the North Atlantic Oscillation at times, especially later in the period, uh, okay. and a brief period of time where we get a negative phase of, of the EPO and a positive a positive phase of the PNA. So this is, uh, you know, just just because um, you know, the, the model timing of, of some of these things can be off. But so I, I kind of just I squint my eyes and, and when I look at this and say, oh, <laughs> sometime and. Well, I think, you know, can they make these maps sometimes so that we could just kind of zoom them up? It would be make life a little simpler. Because, you, know, no. you know, what it is, the, as the older we get, uh, in case anyone is not aware, uh, the older we get, our eyesight kind of, you know, decides that it doesn't want to work as well. So it, it, it helps, you know, you want to do something kind to us, to, to us older folk, make the maps a little bigger. So we don't have to. What's that? Speak for yourself. Well, you know, your 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 eyesight's okay. Right? I yeah. When, when I when I have these uh, two pieces of glass in front of my eyes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we got the uh, past history, snowfall. So anyway, to, to go back to that, all, all those things suggest a period sometime as we get in the second third week of December where we're going to be cold. And when when we come out of that, when when the AO and the NAO change phase, which could be just a few days before Christmas. Uh, maybe maybe we end up with uh, some kind of storm, and if we're cold enough, maybe we get some snow out of that. Okay, now now that you brought that up, there is something there is something that I want to touch upon with regards to that when we're done when we're done with this, because there's been a few things going on. Well, I'll, we'll get to it in a in a bit, but but in the, so let's move on. So now we've got the past history about what happens uh, snowfall at Central Park following seasons with less than ten inches, and it looks like based on this graphic that. Um, it, it, the the snow the years that follow were all above the uh, well it would yeah you can only go up if 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 you're talking about being one two standard deviations from the normal uh, below normal it, it, the numbers should all be higher and as far as the next winter is concerned it would be really unusual to have the the numbers actually come in lower uh, so all the next winter numbers are higher but I'm actually pretty surprised that the you know the fact that some of these winters, the snowfall in the pro in the following year was pretty robust. Uh, yes, they, yes, it was, and and most of those winters, I, I went back and looked at this. Uh, we actually, uh, this graphic actually came came up in a presentation at our office yesterday, and I, and as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, I got I got to figure out, uh, you know, at least let's at least see what the Enso phase was, and uh, with most of them, it was either uh, it was either. Uh, the following winter was either a neutral or weak Nino. And we've seen, you know, 95, 96, I think, oh, wait, that was actually, uh, that was a lot, a lot, a lot of Nino year. 
Um, but a lot of these were weak El Nino years or neutral. I think there was just one out of the whole bunch that was uh, that was off on its own, being a very strong La Nina event. I think which, that, which, which year was that? I think that might have been 72, 73, if I remember correctly. But even that one was below normal. Uh, yes, the uh, so the following winters, did uh, almost all of them had more snowfall. Uh, not too many of them. Let's see, 1918, 1919, that's above normal. Right, and, uh, 18, 18, 1877, 78, 31, 32 is close. The next two were below normal, but not, you know, 19.7 to 23.5. 88, 89 was below, 97, 98 was below, 2001, 2002 was above, and uh, 11, 12, so 12, 13. Now, 12, 13 is 20, again, it, it, depending on where you are, we're looking at that at, at numbers at one point. You know, that 26.1 on that year for Long Island at 11, at 11, 10, 11, and 11, 12, uh, Bill, was was double that. It was over 50 inches. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because of the, the, the Snowmageddon storm. Uh, and I think that was um, that was either, like I could say, that was either, uh, as far as the Enso phase, neutral or weak El Nino. So I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, uh, is that uh, you know, we're, we're going into a moderate La Nina event after already having a season with below normal snowfall. I, I think that, I think that kind of argues that, that we're not going to follow the, we're not necessarily going to follow the rules the, the way that we have in, in some of these past winters. Okay. So now you're putting it all together. So go ahead and put it all together. All right. So uh, we talked about a moderate La Nina uh, that could trend toward weaker late as we get into February and even March. Maybe, maybe this is going to be a back end winter where we get our cold and snow, uh, go late February and into March. That's uh, that that could be uh, that could be a possibility because uh, some at least some some winters that stayed weak La Nina were, were some of our biggest uh, snowfall winters. The uh, ninety five ninety six is is one that comes to mind. So that'll you know so something's going to change as as we get into late winter. And I think um, okay, we'll go on uh, the, the positive phase of the QBO. I think that's going to help keep the polar vortex. Uh, bottled up wherever it ends up, uh, less potential for it to split or, or displace. But I think where it positions is, is that could, that could be a problem. And I don't know how it's going to play out yet. Um, okay. And then of course, uh, no real big signal from Siberian snowfall, except that, uh, except that we, uh, I think Judah Cohen has, has talked about this, that below that area of below normal snowfall in Western Siberia, and uh, also still very low sea ice in, in the, the Arctic regions nearby uh, kind of suggests that if there's going to be any blocking this winter, it's going to set up uh, probably near and, and north of Scandinavia. Uh, that's not, that's what we call like, uh, we call that usually an east-based. Uh, right. right. That's usually not good for us. Um, usually in past winters where I've seen that happen, uh, the storm track tends to be to our west. Uh, we, the northern plains and the Great Lakes can get very cold, and then that that cold air tends to uh, tends to just be a glancing blow. If it, if it gets here, it's it's it, it gets in, but it's not here for very long, and it's not uh, not especially cold. And now I have your caveats up there. Okay, uh, if the polar vortex leans more toward North America, we'll have to watch out. Uh, uh, you know that may that could it could be in a position to make us uh, make us cold, very cold at some at some points. Uh, as we were talking earlier, I happened to go back and, and look at a reanal some reanalysis charts from winter 1933, 1934, 
And it looked like those were, that was a winter where it did set up across North, across North America near Baffin Island, Hudson Bay. If it, if it sets up there, uh, that might be in a good position to, to pay us some visits, you know, bring us some. So in other words, the, 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 the 10, so, so, it, so that I, so that I'm clear with this. So, cause I, I've not seen, I haven't looked at any, you know, re, redone 10 millibar maps um, going back that far. So are you saying that the, the polar vortex itself at the stratosphere level was centered somewhere in Baffin Bay and over Hudson Bay, correct? Uh, somewhere in Eastern Canada, um, not not so much um, not so much in a blocking position where the fifty fifty where we look for that uh, what we call the fifty fifty low right but near Greenland it would it would be it would be probably more toward Baffin Island Hudson Bay okay but the, the tilt of, of of the low the actual tilt so that the flow is coming from northern Canada like you know you get that. Uh, cross-polar flow that comes straight down. So the tilt was, was in, in a position where it was delivering cold air into the Eastern US. Yes, and so that's something that's gotta, that, that's something that's gotta be watched. We don't, we don't know, I, I don't know exactly how that's gonna play out. So I, I gotta keep it, I gotta keep it on the, uh, I gotta keep that card on the table. I think that- I, I think that's actually might be wise. And, I, and I'll, I mean, at the moment, I, I'll, I'll elaborate that on that. Maybe that, that's not a half bad idea. Okay, go on. I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, if that warm blob in the Northeast Pacific uh, does help set up a ridge in the West, uh, that would mean more a trough in the East. And with the polar vortex being where it is, that might even support the idea of cold a little bit further. Uh, the, I'm thinking, okay, if, if that happens, that at least we'd be, if that, if that scenario happened, we'd be colder and maybe near normal in terms of temps and snowfall. Uh, the thing, I guess the thing I'm thinking there's going to, I think that the, the ridging over the uh, the Western Atlantic is going to hold, and I think if we stay in a in a warmer phase, you know, if we stay in a typical La Nina phase, I, I think uh, if you go upstate, you know, to central upstate New York, I think those areas are going to are going to see a lot of ice storms this winter. Uh, past history, I think the uh, we go back to um, I think ninety eight, ninety nine, ninety nine, two thousand. Those were uh, those were those were some, some really big ice storms up ice that storms. way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now let's give it a drum roll here. Temperatures. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm right now. I'm I'm getting on I'm getting on the same bandwagon as everybody else with the with the way La Nina is working out. But uh, with those caveats, I'm 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 kind of worried that uh, you know I think we'll we'll definitely see a cold phase in, in at least mid September. Uh, if the models are a little bit too soon with that, maybe it could extend into late December. I don't I don't know yet. I think uh, at least the second and third weeks are going to be colder than usual. And uh, if we, when we come out of that pattern, I think that's a, at least a potential for maybe our first, first decent snowfall. All um, right. If the polar vortex stays bottled up, I can't imagine it's going to stay that way forever. Uh, that plus the, uh, the, the La Nina weakening uh, suggests maybe uh, something, something different from that as we go into late February and March. So that's why I say maybe maybe the uh, the very late winter might be the uh, the time frame to uh, to really watch for uh, in terms of below normal temperatures maybe more chances for snow. And uh, precip, precip, uh, pretty strong signal for below normal, but uh, as Judah Cohen pointed out, as and as I just mentioned, if if that uh, if that uh, blob of warm water in the Northeast Pacific. 
if that holds more sway and helps set up a, a trough in the uh, trough along the east coast, a ridge in the west, uh, you know, maybe that could could maybe the the overall storm track rather than being to our west could be could be closer to us, and uh, so maybe we'd be near normal or above normal precip, and uh, I guess that so. Uh, I'd say I, I'm still leaning toward a, a warm and warm winter with with less snow, but uh, my confidence is real high. I think it probably probably medium uh, confidence at best. I think overall, I mean, these are a broad brush. Any long range forecast that takes into account December, January, February, March is you're working with a, with a broad brush. And while the overview looks like, as, as Bill just pointed out, strong signal for below normal, there's always that chance that you could get one renegade or one odd situation that only lasts for a few days that could deliver uh, in, in a very short over time, a ton of snow. Case in point, we just talked about this uh, 10 or 15 minutes ago, the winter of 2015, 2016, had we not had that record-breaking 27.5-inch snowfall that it hit on January 23rd of 2016. If you take that out of the equation, that particular winter, 2015-2016, would have had all of five inches of snow. It was just that one. Well, I, I would, uh, but again, that's for the one point in New York City because I, I can tell you from what happened out here that uh, we had more, more than five inch, additional inches out of that. But go on, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying, you know, using that again as a as a general statement that, you know, for a winter that looks like it's going to be, you know, uh, less snowy this particular upcoming season, as uh, Bill has been alluding to, I'm still saying that there is that chance that we get that one, you know, renegade shot that brings us a, a hefty amount of a hefty amount of snow for, uh, for maybe for probably a good part of the tri-state area. I, and, I, and, and that's not the only year I can pick. 1982-83, uh, the megalopolitan snowstorm of February 12th that dumped like uh, two feet of snow on, on our area. Up until then, and even after that time, there really wasn't all that much snow. It just so happened that that particular week, there was one of the very few cold air masses that dropped down out of Canada. And we had a little storm coming up along the eastern seaboard and they melded together and brought us one big giant snowfall. But other than that, take that storm out of the equation. And that winter, 82, 83, didn't show all that much in terms of snowfall. So uh, for those who are on the chat board right now and are shaking their heads and saying, oh, no, it's, it's another below normal. Hey, you know, there's always that chance that uh, you can roll the dice and get that one oddity that uh, that'll make everybody happy. That's why over the last. There's also the chance that the forecasts are all wrong. I mean, I don't mean to be—I don't mean to sound cynical here, but there—I mean, we're—we're we, we're, past performance is no indicator of future results, but it's the only thing we have. And what what we're doing is—I mean, we're basically kind of saying that okay, this is what we have, and records show that because we have this, therefore, uh, the outcome is—you know—we have A, so the outcome is B, and that's a perfectly reasonable way of approaching it, but. Uh, we, we do we do have a certain amount of chaos and variability in play over the next three or four months. So I, I would just again go back to the fact that I am not comfortable uh, in a forecast where everybody is look. I could be completely wrong. I'm doing this more on the standpoint of the fact that I tend to be a contrary sort of person. Um, I like taking the other side of the trade. Um, 
when everybody says it's going to be one thing, uh, I look at the I look at that and I say, you know what, the madness of crowds. I kind of want to maybe take a look at what's going on on the other side. So I'm just I I am just thinking that I guess moderate London. Well, the madness of the madness of crowds implies that we all got in cahoots. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I am not. No, no. I'm, I'm not. That, you know, Phil. You, <laughs> You know, you know how I feel when it comes to that sort of that, that you know that sort of thinking. I, I, I'm in no way implying. You know, I'm definitely not saying that everybody got together and said, "Okay, let's go through the warmer." You know, the, let's take the warmer angle uh, this year. Um, I honestly think part of it, and I'm not talking about you know the folks that really have their head in the game on a regular basis. I have respect for those people, uh, but you know there are folks that. You know, just basically basically climb on the bandwagon, uh, whatever that bandwagon happens to be. And for years, uh, the the standard forecast was colder and snowier because, well, you know, apparently in the in the I-95 corridor, it's only allowed to be that way. So, uh, and and that's led to enough uh, enough burnings over the years. So I'm just kind of thinking now that everybody's got maybe some sense in looking at what's happening and and and, and doing a realistic forecast. Um, that, you know, maybe you're going to get burned a second time. I don't know. I'm just, it's just, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable when there's a hundred people in the same room, especially in these days of social distancing. This, uh, this is an outlook. It's, it's not, I guess there's a difference between an outlook and a forecast. That's going to be the way out here. Right. Now, Uh, I want to, I mean, I, I mean, the one thing that I did, I didn't just, I didn't just say, okay, moderate La Nina. No, I, no, listen, I know you put a lot of thought, Bill, you know, I respect, I respect your work very much. And I have said, I have said this, and I've said this to you. I, I, I do, uh, very much. I'm not at all trying to make, you know, take you down here for your forecast. Everything you say makes sense. I'm just telling you how, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not uh, someone that's comfortable when there's everybody's kind of saying the same thing, that's my that's been my nature. So I'm I'm just putting it out there. Now I want to touch on what you said though, because you're talking about something in let's instead of going out three months now, you were talking about the period in December that you were you're thinking there might be a window of opportunity, and I would point you to two things. Um, Joe is my witness because I've been saying this now for the last week or so. We're talking about what's going on with the polar vortex. And we know that it's, you know, tightly wrapped up. But one of the things that that I've noticed now for almost over a week is the GFS uh, insisting on uh, starting in about a week, migrating that that polar vortex from the shores of Siberia uh, southeastward over the pole and on this particular run of the GFS today and also the, the prior runs, uh, having the, the polar vortex migrate toward northern Greenland and maybe the northern part of Baffin Bay, as you mentioned that before. And while it's not splitting, it is stretching. And this is something that and I was very happy to see this because Dr. Jude, uh, Dr. Judah Cohen, who we've had here before, um, actually tweeted about this a, a couple of hours ago. Uh, of how the GFS is rotating the polar vortex and migrating it and stretching it. And given the tilt, this might open the opportunity for the tr- for a trough to return into the eastern part of the United States sometime during the month of December. So there is GFS model support that I see, and 
and, he, and Dr. Cohen's a far greater mind than mine. Uh, he sees it. So I felt really vindicated today when I saw that tweet. I was like, oh boy, okay, I got it right. Cause I'm not a big, you know, I don't, I don't live in the stratosphere uh, very much. So, <laughs> but, um, but it, but it, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to learn this and I was like, okay, great. So at least I'm, I'm seeing this the right way. All right. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on with that too. That, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like I'm getting on the uh, the, the 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 warm and you know the warm and un, totally unsnowy bandwagon. At least the, the month of December has has some potential there. And uh, but you see you you can see, see on if, the, if the, the I'm sorry vortex remains there all winter. Uh, you know that could it doesn't necessarily mean it'd be snowy or it could just be cold. If it's well, like, yeah, there's nothing that says it no. can't be cold and dry. Correct. But it, it doesn't look to I mean when you look at where the anomalies are in terms of the heights being below normal, at least in the stratosphere, it does extend pretty far south into the southeastern part of the U.S. Uh, you know, what that means, I mean, I don't know what mean, that means from a practical value, I don't know. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, if this is all fine and dandy, but does it couple? That's that's the other question. Does it couple uh, with what's going on? Because we saw what happened two years ago when the polar vortex split in January, and it never translated uh, below the tropopause. Yeah, if it, if it and that's uh, doesn't help us that uh, you know that we don't get the we don't get the polar vortex you don't get it coming down in position to deliver cold air. Uh, I mean, another thing I would say, just in terms of model performance, uh, one thing the GFS likes to make it cold. Right. Uh, I start to see, we start to see this every autumn. Uh, everyone everyone at my office gets excited. Oh, the the uh, look at all this cold, and and I, I kind of roll my eyes because I know it's going to be too cold. I think the GFS is good at, at picking up like the um, if there's going to be cold, it, it's it's usually quicker than the European to pick up on it. But then it backs off. It, it usually gets it's usually too cold and backs off as we get closer. When the European joins, the, when the European joins in with the GFS, that's when you know what's going to happen. That's uh, that's a slam dunk. But I, I think I I don't know Joe Joe Rayo. I maybe you know your opinions on this. Um... Because we've we've we had we've had a couple of upgrades. We had an upgrade done on the GFS this year. I I'm not sure, Bill. Joe. I mean, uh, we have we have a we have one GFS. We have the uh, a, a parallel GFS. So, I mean, is is that going to be the 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 heir apparent once we uh, once w once they uh, are confident enough that it can handle certain situations that they'll phase the GFS that we're using now and uh, bring in the new uh, parallel version. I'm not I'm not sure. I would think eventually it would come online. I don't. I don't know that the, the. I think there was an upgrade this year, but I don't think the changes were as major as as the ones that uh, that, that took place the, the year before. I mean, it's really a completely different model uh, in in some aspects. Uh, some of the some of the physics from the old model were, were carried over, so uh, so the it still has some of the same biases that the earlier GFS had. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's working. It, it's work in progress. And the GFS still has the same number of ensemble members. What about twenty or twenty-one? And it's still like well below what the uh, European has. I think the European has like fifty-one different members. So, uh, in terms of you know which computer model is the more powerful, it still is the European um, from that from that standpoint. Uh, yeah, for the most part. One one problem that the with the GFS ensemble it tended to be uh, what we call under dispersed. It's not really, uh, 
it's not really uh, if you're underdispersed. In other words, that that means that the uh, the its spectrum of possibilities aren't really that much different from from the uh, from the what we call the operational run. I, I think that's one improvement that we've seen with the latest upgrade of the GFS is that there there is more spread and and you know it kind it kind of which is I guess is good in a way can point us towards some different scenarios. Uh, sometimes the European is over dispersed, so it, it, uh, especially with the tropics. So um, these. Uh, the, these are biases that uh, that we have to live with and recognize. Uh, let me just uh, just say real quick, uh, by the way, for those of you on the chat board that are on my uh, my subscription platform on Patreon, I just put up a the Zoom link. So if you would like to ask Bill a question uh, directly, uh, you can do that. Uh, just uh, pull up your Patreon page and click on the Zoom link and. I'll uh, I'll let you in. Uh, so uh, you have that opportunity again for Patreon members. Just go to uh, go. Just get into your Patreon page and uh, check out the latest post. There's a Zoom link there for you, and uh, you can jump on board and ask uh, ask Bill uh, a question about uh, whatever you know he talked about tonight. And uh, by the way, did anybody notice the fact of how cold it was today? I mean, it re Joe, you, I noticed the high temperatures in the Hudson Valley in some places didn't even get above freezing. And we all, Bill, here on Long Island, I was actually, you know, I was kind of shocked. I thought we would get, I would, I thought we would get back close to 40, maybe we could say to like 39 or, th but th I, I think the high was 36. Uh, that, that stunned me. Yeah, it was, it was cold. I was actually at, at the office today. I was actually forecasting for Boston's area, uh, back, backing them up today. And yeah, I noticed the same thing, even, even going into New England, even down toward Cape Cod, it just wasn't, it wasn't warming up. They, they had, you know, I inherited a forecast with rain showers, uh, off the coast, probably, probably ended up being more, uh, flurries than, uh, probably more snow than rain out that way today. Uh, Bill, uh, Janet Forbes Dunn, uh, the, uh, the big cheese, of the uh, Northern New Jersey Weather Observers has uh, joined us here on the chat, and she has uh, uh, a, I'm sure she has a question for you. Hi, Janet. We Hi know guys. each other. Yep. How are you? Doing fine. Um, How are you? I'm okay. Um, I was just wondering with this setup that we're looking at, um, and I had asked this on the chat board and someone else had answered, but are you thinking more apps runners if we do get some colds or Coastals, do you, I mean, do you see the opportunity for really coastals this year where we would get a lot of mixing and a lot of mess or apps runners um, or clippers? Well, if we if, if we follow the moderate La Nina script, I think we're going to see more in, the, in uh, more apprehension runners. That's going to keep us warm. Yeah. Uh, that For precip events, at least what I looked at past winters, we tend to go snow to rain. Inland, a different story. They'll go snow to freezing rain. I, th I think if, if that if that holds, it's going to be a, it's going to be a mess. And you go upstate, uh, you know, in, toward Albany, uh, the Poconos, uh, probably probably a much better chance to see an, a lot of ice storms this winter. Um, I still think there's that one in three chance that uh, that the polar vortex may set up in in a place that uh, that we end up with with more cold and maybe the storm track is closer to us. Uh, I don't know if that means right over us or, or just south and east. Uh, that uh, you know, I'm 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 going to wait and see. I think there was a, there, I think a couple of winters ago. I I had gone with uh, with a forecast. I started off cold and, and snowy, and then uh, there was uh, you know I, I I guess the the thing is that 
uh, you know, making an outlook here and, and I will adjust it according to what's actually happening. We get into December and things don't work out as planned. Then they got to mm-hmm. reevaluate everything. And, uh, but right, right now that's, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm sticking that there's uh, probably, probably only about a one in three chance of seeing that, that type of scenario this winter. Yeah, Janet, I mean, you know how it is in Bergen County, you know, we're always on that cutoff, you know, of just warm enough that we don't get the snow and just go a little further West and, they get the snow. Does, you did, have you told, does Bill know about, what is it, 17? Is 17 oh, your range? 17. Solar? Route 17 you know, apparently is is uh, <laughs> is Bergen County's version of the Long Island Expressway <laughs> as far as rain, snow, this rain snow line. Route 17, yeah. I, when I lived in Bergen County, uh, the, route two, yeah. going up the hill on Route 208, that was the rain snow line. That too, yeah. Going out northwest or if you're going north, Allendale, you know, the Allendale Waldwick area would get snow and we would get nothing on this side of 17 or very little. That exactly. was another. Joe Rayo could tell us all about the 287 rain snow line uh, or, the, or the Route 84 rain snow line. Well, I mean, 287 has always been used even by, uh, and, and Bill can back me up on this, at uh, the, over in uh, Upton, uh, the National Weather Service Forecast Office. They split Westchester down the middle. Uh, actually, it's not even down the middle. We could call it the Westchester waistline. Uh, the upper two thirds north of 287 is where the snow usually falls, and the lower third below 287 is where the rain changes over to snow. So uh, that's where they usually split northern and southern Westchester at 287, right, Bill? Or yeah, that, that's right. There's, a, I think the uh, the split. It doesn't follow 287 exactly. I think it kind of cuts across. Uh, you know, starts north of White Plains and then uh, cuts across 287, if I, if I remember correctly, but close enough. And and oftentimes, if I'm if I'm forecasting, I'll you know I'll actually reference uh, 287, the Tappan Zee Bridge. That's yeah, that's an old standby. We use two. There are two different corridors for uh, snow or snow amounts. There's 287, and then you have to go further north up to 84. 84 is uh, is another corridor that is often used, not so much for rain versus snow, but for uh, the amount of snow. Usually the uh, heavier doses of snow usually occur north of 84, and uh, less snow occurs south of 84. That also cuts across northern Orange County, and then kind of swerves south and eastward, and cuts over the upper, uh, a little bit of eclipse, the northeastern part of Putnam County. Uh, So it's, it's an interesting, another interesting boundary line that you could use uh, during the winter time, Patreon members, just a reminder: the board's open. Uh, I put the link up to the the Zoom. Janet's on here. Uh, I put the link up, uh, uh, the Zoom link up on uh, on Patreon. So just uh, go to the post and click on the link if you want to ask Bill Goodman a question. This is your opportunity. And uh, Mr. Uh, 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 Mr. Goodman, uh, so uh, what? What are your thoughts on? I, I said this yesterday, and I'd be curious as to what what you think about this. Um, if we're going to get, uh, if if we're going to see a, a wholesale change in the pattern, I think one of the clues is going to be: is this hurricane season finally going to shut down? Because as long as we keep getting, my, my, my theory is, if, as long as we keep getting these late season storms in the Caribbean, all that really does is it reinforces the Southeast Ridge and the Gulf of the high, the upper high in the Gulf of Mexico to the Southeast coast. And if, if we keep getting 
tropical systems developing in the Caribbean, that's going to keep the ridge there in place. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're completely done yet. I think from what I saw in the models that, uh, you know, that maybe there could be yet another system in, in the Western Caribbean as, as if Nicaragua and Honduras need it. Uh, that one, I don't see the models jumping on it the way that they did on, uh, especially the GFS. The GFS has been great on on picking up on on getting the early signals on 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 these systems, and it's not really, uh, it just has a broad area of of low pressure that develops in the Caribbean and even up toward I think the Bahamas and Bermuda. I think if it develops anything, it's it, it's on the northern end of that. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see a maybe see a tropical storm that develops near the Bahamas, goes uh, near or or uh, past Bermuda. Seems. It seems like this year the storms like to keep visiting the same places. This would be like the the fourth one if something happens there. The fourth one for Bermuda, I think they were. Uh, well, how many in Louisiana? I think there's at least two hurricane hits in the same place in Louisiana, and that's not even counting whatever tropical storms. Well, two hurricanes, yeah. right? Two two hurricanes within landfall. Uh, in, in the Louisiana landfall was basically inside of twenty miles of each other, and, mm -hmm. and the two hurricanes in the Caribbean in the last two weeks, Ada. And uh, and Iota or Yoda, um, landfalling uh, fifteen miles fifteen miles apart. And don't forget Faye yeah. and Isaias for us. Right, exactly. Faye and, and uh, Isaias. Yes, hmm. I hope they retire the name. I'm sorry if your name is Isaias. I'm not trying to offend you, but you know what? That caused so much consternation in terms of how it was supposed to be pronounced. Uh, somebody needs to get the word to the folks. To, okay, keep them simple, because because we're not very good with that sort of stuff. I can get most of them, but even this one, you know, this one threw me off. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's 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 awkward for us English speaking people. That's not a uh, that. That's well, have you guys been saying? Twister. Have you guys been saying Iota or Yoda? I haven't been saying Yoda. That sounds like Star Wars. Well, uh, because if you because if, if you use I mean Greek and Italian, you know, languages. Oh, Yoda. Okay, yeah, Yoda. So if you say it really quick, it could be Yoda. You know, the I O vowels together make it sound like almost like a Y. Okay, uh, but no matter. Um, it's just me. Uh, for me, no, you're right. But but no one. But yeah, but no one. No one. No one came along and said that's the way you're supposed right. to. Right. Iota. <laughs> I don't give an iota. That's right. Use it in a sentence. Janet, and, do you uh, have any other questions while you have Bill here wrapped uh, up in your around around your finger? <laughs> Just real quick, you know, when you were forecasting, you were on duty the night that the storm blew through the other night. Yes, you that's were right. Putting out the watches and the warnings, and you had a fun night. Did they ever go back? Did they ever go out and survey anything over here? I know uh, I saw not, one post that they weren't planning on it, but not to my knowledge. Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I know there was. I think we did hear from someone in in Ridgefield Park, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, seemed like it was straight line wind damage. Of course, the problem with fast moving storms is that even a tornado will it won't leave it won't leave as much of a telltale sign. Everything you'll probably still get straight line wind damage with that, and then it comes down to. Uh, maybe looking at the width of the path, or or what happens at the end of it. If it if it starts to fan out at the end, maybe there's less chance of it. Uh, but as far as I know, uh, you know, we, we did we did speak to someone in Ridgefield Park, and it, it uh, at least the description that we got. I think we got some photos too. It did, didn't seem like a didn't seem like tornado. There are a couple other places we looked at. Uh, Old Beach in Connecticut, uh, even this way in Calverton. There were there were a couple of storms that really looked good and. Uh, you know, they had that classic signature, this, uh, 
squall line that the S-shaped squall line with a break in it. That's, uh, you know, when I used to work at the Mount Holly office, I can remember a situation like that produced an, an, an EF2 tornado. So they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they can, you know, when, when they can, they can do a lot of damage. They're, they're, they're not to be messed with. That's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had seen a, I had, someone had reported that they, that there was a tornado scene in Ridgefield, Ridgefield, Ridgefield Park, Fort Lee. But then I didn't see anything on the news. I didn't see anything else. And then I was checking, you know, the Upton site and they said there were no plans to go look. So um, I figured, I don't know, maybe it was just funnel funnel cloud maybe, or like you said, the winds, they just assumed. Well, we don't know. I, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was nighttime. It would have been a little bit harder to see if, if we... Yeah. You know, if we did get if we got photo evidence we, we could we look at it and uh, could could change our mind but right right the way things stand right now uh you know no no conclusive at least looking at the damage that we saw and, and the reports that uh you know that we're getting from people in those areas not, nothing nothing conclusive enough of enough to say tornado joe uh, Fernan joe fernanda has uh, joined us joe can you hear me joseph joe fernanda Ethel to Tilly, Ethel to Tilly, come in, Tilly, over. Is it Ferranda or Fernand? Ferranda, Joe Ferranda. Are you there, Joe? Joe! You got to unmute your mic, Joe. He's listening, but he's not hearing me, or I'm not hearing him. All right, if, Joe, if you can hear me, just when you're, just keep talking when you're, and, and see if you can un check your mic levels. Um, when we hear your voice, I'll know you'll be you'll you'll be there. So so what do you if we if we're gonna put an over under? Let's put an over under. Um, pick the number uh, twenty. Oh, hey, Joe's got his cat. Joe, right, you there? Joe. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Um, uh, uh, you, Bill uh, is uh, uh, right above you on mm -hmm. the left. Uh, go ahead with your question. All right, I just had this one question. Do you think the Pacific fire hose will return anywhere from December to mid-January, or will it be a more zonal flow? Joe, you know how I love the Pacific fire hose. Yeah, <laughs> forget that. Uh, I think that's more likely to happen than not. But uh, that, you know, if we're going to go, if we're going to play the over/under game, it sounds like you're going that way with snowfall in a minute, Joe. I, I think, you know, I think the odds are in its favor. I'm, I'm going to go. At least in terms of that, I'm going to go two to one that we see that this winter. And uh, all right, but I'll pick a. Let's pick. Let's pick 25. Let's use 25 as a base. Okay, <laughs> so let's use 25 as a base. Joe Rayo, over or under? Let's let's do it. Let's do this. Over and under for New York City, and then give me an over and under for Putnam Valley. Putnam Valley. I hate to tell you this. I'm. I, I know it's used often in in football and gambling or whatever. I never could understand what over under means. So, no, well, in other words, so if, if you think it's going to be more than 25 inches, you want the over. If, if it's going to be for the oh. season, if it's going to be less than 25 inches, you want the under. Um, I, I, I think I think we're going to be over in both New York City and in Putnam Valley, believe it or not. You're going to go over. OK, I'm going to go over. Uh, uh, Bill, what do you think? And I might point oh. out, just let me let me just go ahead. Go ahead. That I, I, I think. That 25, I've, I've been thinking, have been thinking, continue to think that overall, it's going to be not much of a winter. I'm still looking for that one big woof. And uh, whether it happens in January or February, but I think that's where we're going to get 
the, the, the lion's share of our snow is gonna come from one big storm as opposed to a bunch of little ones. Uh, but I think in the overview of things, it's gonna be over 25 inches when, when this year comes to an end. Uh, season comes to an end. Well, you may, you may very be you may very well be right, Joe. I mean, some of these things that uh, that I was talking about that that could put a wrench in the works, they may. Uh, I don't think they'll define the whole winter, but we might have a pretty good cold outbreak. We might have one big snowstorm uh, that remains to be seen. Um, as far as over under, I'm going to go under for New York City, and I think it's it's real. I don't know which way to go for Putnam Valley. That could uh, well, you could also go for Long Island too. So you can go, you could include Long Island on that. All right, I'm going. I'm going under for New York City and Long Island. I'm going to go over. Coward. <laughs> Coward. Go on. Under for New York City and Long Island. Over for Putnam Valley. All right. Um, By the Jack way, we only had, I've been up here 18 years, and we only had, for the entire winter of this past year, a little over 10 inches, and I only had to bring out my snowblower four times. It was an incredibly non-eventful snow year up here, and I can tell you, there, there, there were years where we had like upwards to 70, and, 70 inches of snow, and I brought that that blankety blank machine out at least a dozen or more times Listen, so. joe give give bill uh give bill mrs rayo's number in case his snowblower uh, goes out because joe <laughs> mrs rayo fixes snowblowers i'm not kidding you she won't let him buy a new one she had to she prepared the whole thing from scratch well we did eventually buy a new one because the one that we had went through a lot of rough winters we had like 16 or 17 rough winters and the one that we have now is uh, a, a relatively new, you know, one or two year snowblower. And uh, we'll see whether or not we can give it a workout in the uh, weeks and months to come. But from what Bill and I are thinking, I don't, I don't think we're going to be seeing, you know, too much except again, maybe one big woof sometime during the winter season. All right, Janet, hold on for one second. Cause we'll get, you'll get part of this. Um, uh, Joe, uh, Ferranda, think about what your over under is. Um, Izzy D is on and. uh, he might have a question for Bill. Hello there. Going? Um, the question is, do you, I came in late. Um, do you think that we might be in the same sort of trend, like what happened as, as Chaffee says many times happened in the eighties, I believe it was where most winters were pretty much snowless. So like we might've turned to that sort of decade now. Like we might be on some sort of roll, at least where I am. In so, what you, so, so Izzy, what you're asking is when I talk about uh, the fact that in the last 20 years we seem to have been in in, in, a, in what you could probably describe as a as a uh, a cyclical bull market for snow, uh, as opposed to the prior 30 years, 1970 to 2000, where we were in a basically a cyclical bear market for snow. So, is that that's what you're going at with this question, right? Correct. Okay. And I, I believe you said like the 80s were probably the least snowy. So even if we're not in a 30-year downward cycle, maybe we're in a 10-year downward cycle. Could that be? Oh, I mean, you can certainly have bust years in, in a, in a, in a, when you're in a favorable cycle that lasts uh, 20, 30 years. I think we, we've had some hurricane seasons and some and some winters where we, we didn't do as well as, as we had. And uh, you know, as Joe Ray pointed out, it seems like we've we've had more winters than not recently, where we get most of our snow in, in one big event, and the rest of it is home. So, uh, 
I, I don't know. I don't know where we're at with this this yet. Uh, I, like I say, I don't think this winter is going to be a big deal. If, if we had a, I think if if we get a, if we return to like an El Nino, I think that that's going to change. And the the thing is that where especially where I am, it just takes so much to get. It's been lacking here. I mean, we've been he's below like, normal ever he's since. He's in Lakewood, New Jersey, uh, in Monmouth County. Okay. Ocean. Oh, Northern I'm sorry, Ocean. North Ocean. Ever since, ever since the winter of 1516, it's mm-hmm. been lacking over here. That winter was a very interesting winter of 1516, where I remember walking outside, there was like a foot of snow still on the ground, then it was 83 degrees in February. So that was almost my kind of winter, I call it, where it was warm and dry. And then when it got cold, there was storms. But almost every other winter where I am, it seems to be the opposite. It can be freezing and dry. They like today didn't get out of the 30s. But wait, here comes 50s and 60s and rain. Uh, do you see that happening for my area in this winter? Or do you think there's still some chances that we can get cold and snow? Uh, well, I don't I don't know that it would be. as I, I know when you go into southern New Jersey, there were some places last winter that I don't even think saw an inch of snow for the whole winter. Um, you know, I, I think... Uh, you know, looking at past history, I think that's that's very unlikely to, to happen. But I think I think you know that more likely than not to be below normal enough in terms of snowfall for the whole winter. Um, you know, uh, if I had to do an over under for twenty five inches, I would say I would say under going going into central southern New Jersey. Three inches for me last winter, ten inches for the prior winter. Hopefully, we'll be able to get more than the thirteen that the two. The last two winters gave us a total of together. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope so. I just, um, I, I don't know if this is going to be the winter or if it is. It, like, I, one, I, one thing I talked about earlier is that uh, the might, if we do get into typical uh, moderate La Nina winter where we don't see much snow and it stays mild, I think as we get toward late February and March, that could that could be a that could be more interesting time frame. Uh, and before I, I had mentioned maybe uh, sometime uh, you know, in the week before Christmas, there's probably a good potential to see some, if we get cold enough. Of course, there's already snow potential behind you going on right now. So, you know, Bill's <laughs> cheating. It, it is. Vir- That's virtual snowfall. Yes, yeah. it is. Well, these days we settle for what we can get. Wishcasting. Right. Janet, uh, <laughs> you're, you're over under for, so you can do Bergen County and, um, Let's do you do Bergen County and you can do Long Island too. Take a stab at it. Under. Under for under you. Under for both. Under for both. Yep. Okay. I think the only people that have hope is like Albany and West. Okay. You know, I think we're too close. I, I don't, I would love to have more. I'm, I, I, give me 40 inches, no problem. But I don't, I just don't feel good about it this year. It's, Right. Trend hasn't been too favorable, I think. Joe Ferranda. Joe Ferranda, you there? Yep. Okay, so um, are you a, are, are you a, a weather enthusiast, meteorology student? Both, yeah. I guess, on both? Uh, I think New York City, at least, is barely going to be below average at 24 inches. But on Long oh, Island... So you're cutting I, it close. Yeah, you're cutting, you're cutting a real close shade yeah. here. Go on, 24 below. Okay, go ahead. And then rest of Long Island, I think will be slightly above. You'll get that one big nor'easter, like Joe Rayo said. Atta boy. 
But yeah, I think Long Island be slightly above and uh, New York City slightly below. Where are you on Long Island, Joe? Uh, right by Levittown, actually. Okay. Oh, so you're not, but you, so you're not in the Suffolk County snowbelt. No, sadly, no. <laughs> That's my old stomping grounds. I lived in Levittown for 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 a good number of years. A lovely area. Yeah, it is. Until I moved up here. <laughs> I'm actually going upstate this weekend, so that's going to be great. It's going to warm up and up. rain all up there, too. <laughs> yeah. It should have went up to yesterday and today. At least in some places, they had a little bit of lake effect. Yeah, I wish. Izzy, since you're in Allen Casper land, which means everything turns to ice pellets and rain, uh, <laughs> what's, what's your over-under? 25 is the magic number. Under or over 25 for Ocean County? I'm going to say for, I tried figuring it out for Lakewood specifically, 27 to 28. So somewhere around the 27 points. So you're going over. I'm saying as as our normal average. Okay, so... But you're 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 go, uh, 25 is the the number I'm using as the over under. So are you you're saying more than 25? As far as a prediction, or as far as where where our normal stands? No, no. As far as a prediction. Oh, a prediction definitely below that. I'm okay. gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You don't have to give a specific from... number if you don't want to. Just you can just you're, you're 18 to 20 inches somewhere okay, in so that you're, area. You're slightly under, but not too far under. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'm the only one that hasn't put. The, well, Bill, you 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 put yours. So I guess I'm the only one that hasn't put out put a, put put. I am going to be the contrary indicator. Okay. <laughs> I am going to be the contrary indicator. I am going to say it's going to snowfall wise. It's going to be above for everybody. And maybe I said that didn't I say that? Did you say above for everybody? I said above for New York City. And above okay. So I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna use Price's Right rules. So I will go above plus one. So whatever Joe says, I'm adding an inch to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or a tenth of an inch. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, I guess because of the fact that I'm really doing this basically just to be contrary and be cynical, I certainly I recognize the fact that everything that seems to be on the table would point to a below normal winter. But as I've been saying all through this show and all through our other shows recently where the subject has come up, I am I am not comfortable with being on the same side of the trade as everybody else. I'm going to take the other side of this. Uh, I, 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 I just I, I just like last year when everybody a lot of people were looking at that, you know, neutral Enzo and, and everything else and the polar vortex locked up in a way that it usually does when you have a strong La Nina or a strong El Nino. And I just think that maybe what we're seeing now, uh, maybe, maybe the, the models are picking up on something going on in the stratosphere that might make things a little bit different. So I'm going to just go above. And I think we probably will get at least a couple of stretches where it gets fairly cold. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a couple of really solid below normal stretches that last more than a couple of days. That's my never to be humble opinion. <laughs> I well, hope Bill you're brought, right. <laughs> Bill brought up a uh, Bill brought up a chart before about uh, years that follow uh, a lack of any significant snow years, but he had ten inches. That does years that had ten inches or less. I did something similar, but I I sliced that in half. I looked at years that 
had less than five inches. Last year, we only had 4.8 inches at Central Park. Now, this is just for New York City, Central Park. This doesn't seem to work, this statistical uh, it, you know, uh, detail for, uh, for any other areas. But um, I found three other, there were, there were other, three other times when we had less than five inches of snow in the 169 year history of Central Park uh, observations. 1918, 1919, 3.8 inches. 1972, 1973, 2.8 inches. That is the all time low for snowfall in, uh, in New York for Central Park. 2001, 2002, 3.5 inches. And as Bill pointed out on his chart, the very next year after those years where we had a lack of any snow, boom, winter came back with a vengeance. 1919, 1920, 47.6 inches. 73, 74, 23.5, 2002, 2003, 49.3. So if you take that at face value, uh, assuming you know proportional scales and everything, we should see anywhere this upcoming winter in Central Park, anywhere from 32 to 67 inches of snow <laughs> based upon the, the amount of snowfall, the ratio, how much it jumped from the previous snowless uh, winter season. So we shall see. That's that, that's another reason to say this winter at Central Park in New York City will be higher than normal. The normal, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 25.6 inches, but that's based upon 1980 to 2010. I'm sure once we're finished with 2020 and they come up with a new 30-year uh, data set, we're going to see a few inches added on to the average for New York City. I, I'll bet you New York City will probably go up to like 28 inches for an average uh, for, for winter season uh, once we change the data set. Bill, two more questions for you. Ready? Um, sure. So the, the chairman, Scott Briller, who's, uh, we call him the chairman because he's the, he's the big cheese in the, in, in the, on the chat board. And uh, he's also uh, gives us uh, what we call Briller Jeopardy uh, with uh, a little bit of tri weather trivia and sometimes non-weather trivia. But these are not trivia questions. So he left them for me because he's uh, working tonight. Uh, he does uh, COVID runs, uh, helping uh, folks out, uh, delivering stuff. And uh, his two questions are, uh, there was something with regards to the extreme wind warning, possibility of uh, adding uh, that uh, to the equation. And um, I don't know what this is, uh, proposed, some proposed changes to the Upton radar next month. Can you uh, get into that a little bit? All right. Uh, well, the thing about the extreme, an extreme wind warning is something that's only, uh, it's only used when, uh, when the eye wall of a category three hurricane is, is moving on shore and we expect uh, winds of uh, 115 miles an hour or greater sustained winds. So that's, that would never, that would almost never get used here in the Northeast. I, I guess the, uh, the question is, uh, you know, we're, we're just accepting feedback from, from, uh, from our uh, customers, uh, you know, weather enthusiasts, anybody who's interested in, in uh, making suggestions, uh, I mean, maybe maybe that number should be lower for the Northeast. We barely we barely see sustained hurricane force winds. Uh, you know, maybe that maybe for this latitude that should be if we that that should be if we get a cat too, or maybe it should just be used anytime the eyeball of a hurricane is moving on shore. I, I guess we're so we're soliciting ideas to try to figure out what we're going to do with that. Okay, that's not possible though, Bill, because we had two storms. The Great Appalachian Storm of November 25th, 1950,
coming up the Appalachian Mountains. I think Newark Airport reported a wind gust, not a sustained wind, thank God, but a, a wind gust of something like 110 miles an hour. And Hurricane Donna in 1960, I don't know, I forget exactly what station reported 100 plus mile per hour winds, but we also had winds of that magnitude with Donna. We've had nothing remotely approaching that since. Uh, who's to say? Well, I, I'm not even going to think about you know saying this for in, in this crazy year of 2020. Uh, <laughs> so whether or not we're going to see that happen again, but uh, those it, it's it's not impossible to see, at least in the New York metropolitan area, that kind of wind. But it, it as you can just see, with only two 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 of those in like the last 70 years, it don't happen very often. Yeah, that, that's right. So I guess the idea is. For, 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 for folks like us who don't see storms of that magnitude, category three or greater, uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe, the, uh, maybe the, the bar should be set lower for, uh, for using that extreme wind warning. Or maybe it, maybe it should be used anytime the eye of a hurricane moves on shore, no matter what the cat. I guess it, so we're, we're taking input and, and I guess we're going to make a decision how we, how we handle that. Um, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I have my I have my opinion about it. That's uh, kind of implicit in what I, what I'm saying. I do think the bar should be set lower here, but uh, you know I'm I'm not the big cheese. The the uh, the folks making the decision there they're down in Silver Spring, Maryland at, at the Weather Service headquarters. Okay, and are you on shift tomorrow? Uh yes, I am. Oh, oh then you got to you know you're gonna so this will be we'll make this the last question. And uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I, I, you're good. Uh, you don't need a oh, cup. Yeah, yeah. You don't need a cup of coffee. Could have used one last night. Oh, last night. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I, was up. I am publicly shaming you. Oh, you're, you're doing a good job so far. too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bill, you're, you're at, the, at the weather service. You guys are on swing shifts, right? So in other words, there's, there's, there's a few days you could be on the early morning shift and then you could switch over to the midday or the afternoon. And that does something to your body, doesn't it? I mean, like oh, when he does those six midnights in a row, or whatever it is. Oh yeah, it uh, yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I lose track of what day of the week it is. I, I have to ask I ask, ask someone in my family what. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's difficult. It, it's uh, it's a grind sometimes. Uh, the funny thing is, the harder the the harder the midnight shifts are, the quicker I more quickly I bounce back. I, I I almost dread having a good run of midnights because I know when I get like try to get back to normal, it's going to take forever. All right, so, so here, the human body strange. So here's our last question from um, Johnny Quest, who's also one of our Patreon members, but he's a little camera shy. Um, so anyway, he uh, messaged me and he said uh, we've had a Category Five hurricane every year for the last five or six years. Okay. Um, is that is that the new normal or are we are because Joe can attest to this. I mean, we went between Camille and Gilbert. We went something like 16 years without seeing a category, anything close to a category five. Um, and they do seem to be coming with regularity now. So is this the new normal or is this just, you know, we're in some kind of, you know, cyclical high upturn here? It'd be cyclical. I mean, we're still in we're still in that positive uh, positive phase of what we call the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation, and we've just had more active we've had more active hurricane seasons as a whole, more intense storms. Uh, if, if we go back to something, you know, where we get back to a negative phase of that, we could go back to uh, I think like it was the 1970s and 1980s, where 
uh, you know, we see below below average number of storms. Uh, you know, most of them, most of them, uh, not that intense, but probably still just uh, maybe one during the year that that still at least gets the category four. I I, I don't, uh, you know, um, I mean, where do, yeah, people ask where global warming fits into this whole thing. Uh, I don't know. There's the, the, there there are folks that say that the uh, the since the warming would be occurring not just at the ground but through the atmosphere that maybe we'd see maybe we'd see less tropical activity at, in the long run. Uh, there are others that say, uh, you know, maybe they'll like the average intensity would would only would only be uh, maybe a few miles per hour stronger that it would it would just it would just barely be noticeable. So. Uh, those those are just some of the ideas. The other thing is, just with with the uh, with the satellite and the satellite technology that we have these days, and 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 just the uh, the 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 observing capability that we have, we're, we're seeing a lot more of these things, and uh, and we have to take that into account. How much of that is just because we're because we're better at seeing things than we were in the past? I agree with that, Bill. Because how many times have we seen uh, tropical systems just this side of Lisbon, Portugal? I mean. <laughs> there, there have been cases where I, I've said, and I've said this to Joe, and I've said this here on, on, on our show, I mean, back 20, 30 years ago, would they have, they being the guys at the National Hurricane Center, would they have categorized that uh, or given a storm like that a name? We Go 16 is so much better than the satellite information that we had at our disposal 20, 30, 40 years ago that, yeah, I think we're picking out systems now and giving names and pointing to various uh, tropical systems that we would not have done uh, all those years ago. So that, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, the entire, we've had about 30 storms this year. I'm not saying that, you know, 15 of these storms wouldn't have been categorized 20 or 30 years ago, but there have been at least a small percentage that I think would have uh, gone through uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the screen, so to speak, and not, uh, not, not have been categorized. Uh, but with this new data that we now have, at our disposal, we, we, we're now looking at more and more storms and saying, yeah, this is a tropical system, this is a tropical system, as opposed to, again, you know, back back in the day. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Hurricane Center used to have a rule that, uh, this is going back a long time ago, thou shalt not name a subtropical storm that uh, you can, you can you can call it that, but we're not, we're not gonna pay it. To, so some of these storms that are out in the far Eastern Atlantic, uh, you know, they're not pure, maybe not purely tropical. Uh, I, I know that there, I mean, in a lot of hurricane seasons, there are a couple, a couple of unnamed storms, but uh, not, not, not the number that, that we've seen. And there's probably, uh, I can think of a couple of years, just these, these tiny little storms that if, uh, if you, uh, you know, if we didn't have, uh, if we didn't have. Oh, there the, was the one last year. I think it was the B storm. That was basically, you know, the, the gales extended out 10 miles from the center or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think it, it. I mean, we have the scatterometer that that can actually see the uh, measure wind speed. And uh, in the past, we might not have we we might not have done anything with that. Or, or uh, yeah, it was basically a severe thunderstorm. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what it was. Uh, I got actually, I got two two other things. Uh, Robert okay. Brown. Robert Brown uh, left me a question. He's also uh, one of our regulars on the chat board here on the show, and and he's on uh, my uh, my weather site, my subscription weather site. Um, he left me a question. 
this this hurricane season in terms of the number of storms has been very active. Clearly, you know, we, we set a record. It's we're at thirty, and and who knows if we'll have get to another another one or two. But in terms of the number of storms that actually became major hurricanes, it, it's only really been the last month that we've seen a run on them. And when compared with two thousand five, two thousand five, the other record year, you know, that was just absolutely loaded with with majors. So he was wondering whether the um, that we had, we saw a lot of Saharan dust in the first half of the hurricane season and whether that might have played some kind of role in terms of maybe getting in the way of some of these storms from uh, intensifying uh, out in the uh, in the Atlantic a bit faster than, you know, uh, they, they didn't intensify as quickly as you they might otherwise have had it not been for the Saharan dust issue. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, that, that could be possible. Uh, when you have a lot of Saharan dust, that, that air is very, very dry. And uh, just, the, uh, just the, never mind the dust, just the presence of that dry air is going to in, inhibit development. Uh, there's always that one, there's always those one or two storms that seem to defy, I think we've seen a couple this year that seem to defy even, even that and still developed anyway. Um, they're, not coming, they're not coming to mind, but I, I, I do remember uh, he, some discussion from, from the Hurricane Center about, about one or two uh, storms that behaving that way so um, i uh, i have um one of our other regulars timothy veltman uh he lives up mm -hmm. in the albany area and uh he says uh, he let sent me a message here he says i claim camera shyness like johnny quest so the over under average for albany uh, so he, he says the average in albany is 60.3 so he's going to go for 45 based on all the years that he looked at with high numbers of 80 and 90 degree summer highs all had 45 inches or less snow in the winter, okay? So um, in Albany, uh, a, a high number of 80 and 90 degree high temperature days has translated into the subsequent, the following, the winter that follows into being a below normal winter according to the numbers that he's looked at. However, contradictory to that, he says that the Novembers with the highest severe weather and tornado outbreaks, and they've had, you know, I, I, two this month uh, in the Hudson Valley. Um, uh, November's with the highest severe weather and tornado outbreaks. All of those winters had 90 inches or more for the winter up in Albany. Interestingly enough. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those is 95, 96. I, I remember a lot of, I remember a lot of strong cold frontal passages that, that November. Um, so, uh, maybe there's maybe there's something to that. Uh, I guess the question is, if you're going to go over under up Albany way, uh, there ought to be an over under for for ice. I, as I was mentioning earlier, I, th I think uh, I think when you get uh, you go from the mid Hudson Valley on north, I, I think the uh, you know if, if we get these inland runners, I think the potential for ice storms is going to be a lot greater than than usual. Janet, last chance. While while you're here, last chance. You're okay. All right, Joe Ferranda, last chance. You're good? All right. So, Bill, here's what we'll do. So here we are. It's November the 18th. So, um, and you and I will talk along the way many times between now and then. But what if we at least, and you, you as I've, I've told you many times, you can shoot me a message anytime you want to come on and, and play on the show. We have a very big sandbox here. We've got swings. We've got slides. We've got all the, you know, all the fun stuff. Got um, red wine too. That's uh... and, yeah. See, I'm thinking critically because it's it, the glass. 
not only is the glass empty, but I can make it disappear in my little in my chroma key here. Uh, but you know, you're always welcome anytime. But why don't we come back for sure sometime around, let's say, middle of January, and review, and maybe do a second half. Uh, you know, we'll have the first half under Rob Veltz, so then we could you know, maybe look ahead to the second half, and we'll see. Right, and we'll see that sometime first. after Christmas. Uh, you know, I, if if things are if things are gonna if things are gonna go haywire, I think we'll probably know by by end of December. So, by the way, Tim Veltman points out that in in, in the winter of ninety five ninety six at Albany, they actually finished with under seventy five inches. New York City actually beat them that year. Uh, we, uh, because they, they didn't get anything out of the, they, they, for the most part, they missed out on the, 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 the blizzard of 96. They got some stuff out of it, but they didn't get what we got down here. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And uh, I guess the, the, just the, uh, the, I guess the, you know, the, the big city corridor just got, got one after the other. I was down in the Washington DC area and it was just one, one, it was that. And then one five, six inch snowstorm after another. Unbelievable. So, um, all right. So we'll come back. We'll, come, we'll we'll make a point in the middle of January to come back and do this all over again, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll review the first half and look ahead to the second half, and we'll see if me being a cranky, contrary curmudgeon um, <laughs> winds up paying off or not. Mr. Rayo, do you have any final thoughts? Yes, I want to. Uh... People on the uh, chat board are saying, "What did Joe Rayo say we're going to get this year? Thirty-two <laughs> to sixty-seven inches." <laughs> I, I want to make something very clear. And for whatever reason, I type this to go on the chat board, and I'm hitting enter, and it's not. It's not. If it's over two hundred characters, Mister Rayo, oh, which well, I have a feeling go. it is, uh, it's go. not going to take it. So you got to you got to do it in two pieces. All right. So <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say it right here. I'll say make Joe is the Shakespeare of weather. I did not say that I was forecasting 32 to 67 inches of snow. What I said was, if you look at the three previous low snow years, like this past winter at Central Park, the very next year, anywhere from eight to 14 times more snow fell in the following year. So if you take that at face value, then you would see possibly this year 32 to 67 inches. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think we'll have a modest snow year with one possible biggie that'll account for the lion's share of the snow. I think we could see 25 to maybe 30 inches of snow at Central Park this season, and we'll see how that all pans out. All right. And by the way, this show is going to be up as a podcast on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Anchor and a whole host of other places that call podcasts home. So this is actually a good show to, for you to just kind of put on your earbuds and get on the treadmill for one hour and 56 minutes, which Joe Rayo is a new record for us. The old record was <laughs> was one hour and 54, uh, 54 minutes. I think this is a new uh, record, uh, uh, record uh, show length for us. I mean, we're practically a... We, we're, we're practically a uh, uh, an ABC television movie. Can we go for another six minutes and round it out to, an, you know, to, to exactly two hours? Or Well, we could. It may take us a long time to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll take, you, it'll take you that long to do the commercial. <laughs> oh, well, that's right. Yes. Oh, thanks for reminding me because, yes, we do have to do that. Oh, and I do have one other thing to mention here, which I don't know if you mentioned at the start. And I don't know if they're still on, but Steve LaPont 
And uh, New York Jet fan, 1991, thank you for hitting Super Chats tonight. Which we, they yeah, hit that, yes, thank you very hit much for hitting Super Chats. at the very chat. beginning, Joe, back around 7.30. <laughs> yeah, I think they hit it before the show, uh, be, before the show started. Um, yes, thank you, uh, both of you, for, for uh, hitting Super Chat. We, uh, Joe and I really greatly appreciate it. And so, Janet Dunn, say hello to Nick Stefano for me. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't see them much, you know, lately. It's, uh, I've been diverted with doing a lot of other things, um, you know, and, and doing an online weather forum okay, that I'm well, a moderator of now. So, well, Janet, you know, you guys, you know, if you want to bring, do a night with the, uh, a zoom with the North Jersey weather observers, just let me know and I'll be more I'll than happy to do it. Them, yeah. And, uh, Joe Ferranda, thank you for, uh, joining us. Uh, hope you had fun. Thanks again, Joe. Uh, anytime. And uh, we're going to try to do this more with respect to bringing the uh, the Patreon folks on board uh, with these um, with these shows where we have guests on so that uh, you can uh, ask your questions. Uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Show tonight uh, brought our winter special because J Bill Goodman made it special. He really did. Uh, the Joe and Joe Weather Thank Show you. tonight brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware, Long Island's largest rock salt provider bill and they're on 1226 north wellwood avenue in west babylon new york just north of the southern state parkway so when you run out of rock salt mag ice melt melting pellets and flakes penalo premium snow and ice melter biomelt geomelt or whatever it is that you need to get to clean up for all the winter storms you're going to get because i'm predicting them and you're not um you could go to uh, omni true value hardware West Babylon, 631-756-1125, or go to the website, which is uh, omnitruevalue.com. And Latex Dreams wants to know from Joe Veranda, who is the ball player that's behind you? It's Derek Jeter, isn't it? I think it's Derek yeah, Jeter. Yeah, one of the greatest shortstops. It's Derek Jeter. Jeter. Yep. Number two, Derek, Derek Jeter. Jeter. <laughs> Number two. Number two. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for being here. Uh, and uh, Bill, we'll see you soon. Talk to you very uh, Talk to you in a couple in, in a minute. We'll say, we'll say goodbye. Yeah, probably. Always a pleasure. Can't, uh, can't wait to. I'm sure I'll be on even before January, but that, uh, we'll see. We'll see how things work out. Um, yeah, no, like I said, you're always you're you are always welcome. You, I, I will stop and drop everything that I am doing to get you on this show as long as you promise to make sure you set an alarm clock if you're going to fall asleep at showtime. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to set an alarm clock just in case tonight, but I had, I had so many graphics to get ready. There was no way I had to worry about it tonight. Okay. Cause you know, you did make me nervous at seven twenty-seven, and I didn't get the graphics yet. And I didn't get, see, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you know, punch it on the zoom link. I'm thinking, no, please not again. I can't, I've already promoted this three times. I can't, I can't do this again. Uh, but the gods were smiling on us, even after we did have that slightly shaky start at the beginning. So, um, all right. Uh, good night, everybody. Thanks for being here. I know it was a long show, so I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.